slimy yet satisfying. For a fleeting moment, I felt a bit like Simba as he watched Pumbaa and Timon slurp down mouthfuls of tasty grubs. <laughs> I wasn't going to let this get the best of me, though, so I actually did sample the raw jellyfish for the very first and last time. Chin and Chung handled their chopsticks with the precision of a neurosurgeon. They savored the assortment of Chinese cuisine sitting at the dinner table that night, much like you and I would enjoy popcorn at a movie or pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. This would be the last time we would share a meal with Chen and Chiang, a crowning moment in a beautiful relationship that had started three years earlier, and they wanted to treat us to their very best. This meal was the most meaningful way to express how much we loved and cared for each other. So this was no ordinary dinner. This was a sacred moment for both the host and the guest, a time to express our love and acceptance and grace to each other. Because soon, Chen and Chiang and their daughter Mimin would move to the West Coast and begin a new life and career. The next time we would hear from Chen and Chiang was on a Wednesday night. We had already made our way to bed, but they were just getting out of church because they lived three time zones away. Chuck, Linda, we have good news and we wanted you to be the first to know. We found a Japanese church here in Oregon, and for the first time, we heard the gospel in a way we could actually understand. We want you to know that tonight, we both put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we're Christians. Wow. Sharing meals together is a central part of our Christian tradition. Jesus' first miracle was a marriage feast, and one of his most well-known miracles was feeding the 5,000. The night before his crucifixion, he brought together his closest friends for the Passover meal. And after the resurrection, he shared breakfast on the beach with his disciples. And in Matthew 22, it compares Jesus' second coming to the wedding banquet. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house and for a meal and, and also got in trouble for eating with, quote, publical publicans and sinners. Sharing meals are not just about breaking bread and certainly more than nourishing our bodies. They're about breaking down walls and building bridges of relationships. They're about connecting with one another. Around the table, there's a sense of openness, allowing us space, the space we need to lower our guard and communicate important values and engage in meaningful dialogue. It's an active way to nurture our relationship with others. In fact, I think I've come to believe that sharing a meal is a sacred act. And I'm convinced that when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, we could easily extend that sacrament of communion into every meal we share. So if you're hosting a Bible study in your home, don't forget to eat. <laughs> 
If you want to engage with a person who doesn't know Jesus, eat together. I believe that every local congregation should look for any excuse they can to eat together. And if you want to connect with your family, do it around the dinner table. In the past few episodes, I've been sharing concepts taken from the book by David Ferguson Bless, B-L-E-S-S, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change Your World. First, remember, begin with prayer, and then second, listen, and third, eat. We'll talk about serving and sharing in the next two episodes. And I I also want to recommend these two books as well, The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. And then there's The Church in Many Houses that's written by Stephen Cordell. 